Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good morning and welcome to Women Lead Radio brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Knight Campbell, your host for The Leading Edge, Women Pushing Boundaries in Life, Adventure, and Leadership. Our topic today is Women in the Outdoors with Abigail Jones. Abigail is a partner, leadership coach, and outdoor adventure guide with Caring Leadership Strategies. After studying sociology, linguistics, and business management at UCSD, Abigail coached executives and trained corporate, academic, and purpose-driven teams since 2013. Drawing from a diverse background, including yoga teacher, business adjunct, adjunct professor, veteran entrepreneur mentor, and corporate leadership retreat facilitator, Abigail has channeled her experience into creating and facilitating incredible outdoor adventures designed to catalyze growth for business professionals. When she's not creating unique spaces for leaders and teams to thrive, you'll find Abigail on long ocean swims, training for ultra runs, or exploring the backcountry on skis, feet, or bikes, likely with her dog, Koya. Today, I'm particularly excited to dig into Abigail's experience as a woman leading in the outdoor realm and to explore why Abigail thinks professional women need more outdoor adventure in their lives. Good morning, Abigail. Welcome, and thank you for flexing to join us today. Good morning. Happy to be here. All right, Abigail, to start out, what should our listeners know about you? Well, I grew up in Minnesota, and so the fact that it is sunny and 75 degrees on November 22nd is not something I take like we here in San Diego where I'm currently living. Awesome. And you just did a long trail run yesterday in the heat, which is <laughs> strange, I imagine, for a Minnesotan. <laughs> yeah. 80 plus degrees, but the gratitude is strong after so many sub-zero days. So it's good to have the contrast. Definitely. You have an impressively broad background. You've been a researcher, you owned and ran a yoga studio, you're an outdoor guide, leadership development professional, leadership coach. Uh, how do you make the decision to shift from thing to thing, and, and what's your secret to finding where you fit? Great question. There's been a lot of – the thing that stayed the same is that I'm interested in building community through systems, whether that be a combination of activities, tools, and environments where people can thrive. So the way that I've navigated moving from academia to consulting to co-owning a business is through listening, really, and going through the process as a scientist and making decisions based on observation collecting data and testing hypotheses. So that has been a good way to navigate when to make moves from different industries and when to uh, get rid of or dissolve programs or businesses that are no longer serving the world and to make leaps that 
can ultimately do the most good, which has been a driving force is what am I doing and how can I make the most impact here? So it looks like from the outside, you're shifting all over the place, but really there's this through line of building community and doing good. What's a good community to you? Yeah, that's a great question where it takes on a life of its own. Uh, There's fundamental aspects that you need to do to start a community as a leader. And then at some point, if the community isn't standing up on its own with members communicating with each other, either informally or through more established channels on their own and going out to dinner and finding ways to build that relationship, the community will die without that internal momentum where every node, every person is participating. So uh, you know a community is healthy and thriving when there's shared information and energy between the members of it. Sounds like one I would like to be a part of. Uh, What advice do you have for our listeners who might be figuring out their next move? First off, spend time in solitude. There's a lot of noise and cultural forces that will try to lead you towards being or doing in a certain kind of way. So going for a hike with a journal is a great way to establish your own perspective and voice. And then spending time with mentors and people that you trust on one-on-one events and then also getting mentors together, people who have never met. They get the side benefit of meeting each other, and you can tee up that kind of opportunity or that meeting with telling your story about where you've been, where you're at, and where you're going. And with that frame or that intention of a meeting in mind, you can help to get feedback and advice from people that you trust in a way that's safe before you make a move that can help you flush out certain risks that you might not have seen and hear how it sounds out loud, hear how it feels in your body before you invest time and money down a direction that you may find that ultimately might not fit. So you're going right back to build a community, have have a group of people you trust around you. Uh, You mentioned cultural forces kind of forcing you into different situations that you may not want. Are there any examples you can share, particularly as a woman uh, and and perhaps in your field of leadership development and outdoor guiding uh, where cultural forces have exerted pressure on you that you've resisted or overcome successfully? Sure. Yeah. I, in the first training and development company that I joined, it was, um, run by a man and I was a program manager who had already done leadership development facilitation for superintendents and nonprofit leaders and had developed programs using improv comedy and mindfulness. And at the same time, this company that I was working at, the man in charge insisted that I stay as a program manager, that I not interact with clients, that I needed 10 years of corporate experience before I could have something worthwhile to say. And it took befriending a woman who attended one of our events and through conversations I was able to share about it. And uh, she gave me this perspective to see what was happening from an outside perspective, that it wasn't about me and that there was bigger trends at play and um, sort of insecurities that 
this fellow was subscribing to and that was ultimately going to hold me back. And so it took somebody befriending me and becoming an advocate and helping me see a broader perspective that helped me to move past that barrier and uh, see that I could do more than I was being given the opportunity for. So I hear that often. And I also hear that at times women will compete with each other instead of collaborating, befriending, mentoring. Do you have any thoughts or advice on either getting a good mentor or being a good mentor, particularly for women? I think there there can be that perception that there is this cattiness, but going in with an open heart and finding a, finding people that you naturally align with and then meeting with them one-on-one and doing things that you love, find, going on walks, getting coffee, finding ways to move together and going through shared challenges together is going to build trust quickly and see where you naturally align. I, I found lately that women who mountain bike, we are building trust and able to share more authentically far faster than women who only want to go on a paved walk in a mall. I'm not interested in that. So getting alignment quickly with deep-seated values and, and ways that you operate will help you to build trust fast and, and align and have better conversations quicker. I, I love the image of mountain biking mentoring. It just makes me happy. Uh, I think <laughs> people assume, you know, people see women in the outdoor industry, guides, uh, outdoorsy women, and kind of assume, well, they probably had a dad that took them camping all the time as a kid, and they've done that their whole life. And if that's not the case, then the outdoors isn't a place for women. Uh, But you started out with relatively little outdoor experience and have grown into guiding 26-plus weekend adventures, ranging from hiking, backpacking, rock climbing, uh, with Karen Leadership. What's that process been like for you? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this to the forefront because people are often surprised to find out I did not go grow up camping or hiking. It wasn't part of my family culture. And so gaining that experience, first off, a huge piece of getting that confidence was getting a certification early on and formalized training in as a wilderness first responder. And so I recommend that as a way to build your own self-confidence and then the muscle, the actual practice of building skills through a formalized process um and then there's a there's a fear i found especially with our clients at care and leadership as we move to get professionals outside of what am i going to look like how how do i dress what do i wear and i don't want to be sweaty in front of people that i may want to impress and guys are not similarly thinking about that in the same way we tend to as women and so advice here is to don't think, just do. Get outside and put on some tinted moisturizer and make your way into the outdoors because that is where there's a freedom and there's a access to to the ability to think clearer and move with intention in a way that we're not going to be able to do inside. And so don't limit yourself by not getting outside for fear of how you will look. Just Get out of your head, get outside, and you'll find comfort as you go along. It's 
not going to, you likely won't feel comfortable at first, but that's a good sign that you're moving towards growth and um, in an upward direction. I think this, how you look thing is pretty deep and pretty important. I just saw this post on, on LinkedIn uh, where a woman posted about her daughter who put some ski pants on and they didn't fit. They're too small. And she said, mom, I think that my butt and my thighs are too powerful for these pants. And I love that. And that's not, you know, necessarily how society pushes women to think about themselves, about their bodies, how they look, how they perform outdoors. But I I do see as women take on more outdoor adventure, this uh, aspect of feeling powerful of it doesn't matter what I look like. I can climb a freaking mountain. Um, Can you tell me more about that for you and for clients? There's an aspect when you're starting out that you feel incompetent, and so you're more concerned with these uh, surface-level features of of yourself, whereas, as you said, as you gain more outdoor skills and you become focused, let's say, in rock climbing and how well your knots are tied, the well-dressed aspect of your thought process has much more to do with the knots than how you really look, and so there's barriers that you have to push past. And and I think the self-talk, you can use affirmations and focus on strength and power as your main motivating force. And that can help you to move past your own self-limiting beliefs and your thoughts about what others may be thinking of you to to use that sense of power as who you want to be. And, and that will help to move past some of the friction points in the beginning. It sounds like it's a matter of where you draw your confidence from, how well you're dressed or how well your knots are dressed, how <laughs> you look or how you perform. Uh, it's, it's really good. Um, we, we know that outdoor adventure is a lot of fun. You know, we're always going out, having fun, mountain biking, climbing, et cetera. But we also think it's vital to women's professional development and success uh, in, in, you know, business, in work. Why is that? Why, why should more women be adventuring outdoors? The research is compelling in terms of our time outside and our ability to think clearly, to solve problems more creatively, and our much less our physiological well-being, our white blood cell count stays elevated and our immunity is boosted for 30 days after just three days outside. So there's a lot of we can point to about the clarity that we get and the uh, our ability to shift perspective and maintain a sense of resilience that will let us perform and get outside. So especially as women, when we are often in a, at a disadvantage, we need to use the outdoors as a partner, as a way to get out of our own way inside our heads and to, to have access to a greater level of performance by spending time outside and insisting that our meetings be walking or hiking or mountain biking and and using, like I said, the outdoors as a partner in your professional development. I 
just have this image of, you know, a woman walking into a meeting fresh off of a big climb or mountain bike and dealing with some petty, you know, man taking her thoughts and just being like, listen, I just climbed a mountain. I don't have time for that crap. That's what I just said. Uh, I love it. (laughs) We're going to come back to this, uh, but for right now, we're going to take a quick moment and recognize one of our sponsors. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good, and they're working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and our partners. And Knight, now back to your show. Thank you, Michelle. Welcome back to The Leading Edge with our guest, Abigail Jones. We're talking about why more professional women should spend time outdoors and on adventures. Abigail, you recently went on a 30-hour straight, well, there might have been some naps, short ones, Mm -hmm. mountaineering climb, 2,000 feet up a rock face, over glaciers, uh, rappelling through ice. What was that experience like for you? (laughs) It was remarkable, to say the least. I, there were so many times I didn't know if I could go one step further in terms of the mental and physical capacity that was demanded of that experience. And the fact that I came out of it feeling a resolve to to know that about myself actually has pushed me to take on and take on some new levels of adventures uh, for the next year to come. So that experience in and of itself was terrifying, frankly. I was in the moment, but it gave me the opportunity to work with my internal dialogue. And then the beauty of it was just astounding. And we saw the meteor shower and the, the, the things that were going on around us and the sights that we got to see because we were willing to push past um, and go out into this, this territory that most don't get to venture to uh, just gave me a whole, a different perspective on what I am capable of and what's out there to see beyond where I think, where I thought I could go. I love that description of, of being aware of what's going on around us and also being terrified. Uh, You've led several all women adventures for Karen leadership at this point, climbing mountains, backpacking. What, if anything, do you prefer about being on an adventure with all women? There is a uniqueness that comes with being in an all-women adventure, uh, and guiding that experience tends to offer a container for women to open up and talk about professional struggles that they've had at the, at the hands of the men that have been around them in professional contexts. So it's important for us as a company, I think, to hold in terms of the women-specific events. But but more and more, I'm thinking that our best conversations happen when those same 
those same women are sharing those stories in a context when men can participate in the conversation. And it takes us as guides to hold the hold the conversation and the container well when it's a, a mixed gender experience. Um, but I'm tending towards thinking that the best way we can move forward as women and professionals is to be sharing those stories irregardless of if men are in the room and as if it was an all-women experience because that's that's how we're going to move forward and it, it takes a bit more courage, but I think we'll get progress and action faster if we if we are willing to have those conversations in in any kind of environment or with any crowd. That's, that's real talk. Uh, you know, men, often we don't realize that we're not supporting women colleagues very well, and we often get defensive when we hear truth. What advice do you have for women or men to make those conversations successful and not just become defensive? I think for men, I would say to listen well and pause for one more moment than you think that you should. Advice I actually heard when I was learning to surf and that that pausing and waiting one more minute before the wave crests than you think you should is a great metaphor and way to hang with the moment and let there be, um, let yourself see maybe uh, the nuance and your physical reaction and impulse before you actually can skillfully act and respond. That space in between can give you that opportunity to take a breath and maybe see something that you initially didn't, uh, that's beyond your initial impulse. And just stay engaged, stay curious, stay asking questions and digging into the research. There's um, a report that came out about San Diego women leadership in San Diego, as I said, that was recently reposted by a man, and he said he read it and he reread it, and he still knows that he can't understand what this lived experience could possibly be like. And I admired that post because he he was putting it out there, sharing it as a resource, and also saying, um, offering it to others, and saying that he couldn't understand the full extent of what this means in a lived way. So just asking questions, staying curious, and, and staying engaged in the conversation, especially knowing that it's uncomfortable, again, is likely a good sign that you're moving in a direction towards growth. <laughs> Back to discomfort. Uh, <laughs> you, said, you said for men, do you have advice for women? I mean, it seems odd to say women should tell their truths differently, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think staying, staying patient and, and getting clear on what your intention is for sharing that story and with whom. So it can be helpful to, to write down a certain experience that you've had and then using it skillfully in a way to, to surface it in a, in a, non in a way that isn't looking to um target that there's not a, a charge to it so come back to science and how can you approach and think like a scientist in this kind of way of offering your data to 
in a way that then can be absorbed in a so that it's helpful rather than um coming being perceived as being an attack uh, yeah so really thinking through what the message is and and maybe taking the emotion out or using the emotion intentionally rather than just throwing it out there um hard to do i'm curious i ask this for every guest on the show do you think women have unique strengths as leaders definitely we know a bit about the ways that our brains work differently in relation to risk that we are more risk aware and that we think in a more dispersed rather than a linear fashion and so we can use that as a way to make decisions and bring into the conversation aspects of a situation that may not otherwise be seen. So as more and more women come into CEO roles and board-level positions, we see smart decisions being made and that are financially helpful for businesses, which is fun to see. And so thinking on any kind of diverse diversity is going to bring strength just by nature of a system is if there's different nodes that have different stances in the world, that structure is going to be stronger ultimately. But women in particular bring bring strengths and a, a distinct perspective of seeing more widely what is happening. And so they can bring to the table and to the conversation uh, a different lens and perspective. So would you say that a leadership team, C-suite, with 50% women and 50% men would be stronger than the sum of the parts? Yeah, you definitely get the gestalt effect. If there's if there's people coming from different backgrounds to different industries, it's going to lay on the table uh, different component parts that will be stronger, uh, the more distinct that they are, given that there's a culture and a set foundation of shared vision and values. Yeah, so uh, systems thinking, get outdoors. I love it. Um, We're getting toward the end of the show already. I don't know how these things go so fast. But I'm curious, what do you wish you could tell 18-year-old Abigail now? Get outside. Get outside more often and keep leaning into discomfort. That is a sign of growth, and that will ultimately move you in a direction towards a deeper sense of of joy and impact for the communities around you. Love it. Get outside. What is next for you? As we get more business leaders outside, I'm excited to guide more unique locations in the United States and to more firmly establish our chapters in D.C. and Seattle in particular and moving towards a greater membership and stronger community where it becomes the norm, more of the norm to go on a mountain biking meetings. That is my dream for women and men alike. May we have more mountain biking professional meetings. 
one piece of advice for any woman anywhere at any level who wants to be more excellent as a leader, what, what would you say? I would say connect. Connect with yourself. Connect with somebody who's 10 steps ahead of you and connect with somebody who is a peer. Find ways to build bridges and and feel a sense of wholeness and connection. Three connections. Do it today. You heard it here. Abigail, just in case our listeners want to reach out to you after the show, want to connect with you, what's the best way to connect with you? You can reach me at abigail at karenleadership.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. The profile is Abigail Jones Adventure. And you can also see what we do, see our upcoming 26 leadership adventures we have on the books for 2022 at com. Fantastic. We will include those links on the show description, so don't worry about writing them down frantically. Uh, get outside, connect, feel powerful. Abigail, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate you sharing your insights and experience with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Knight. Okay, that's all for our show today. Thank you again, Abigail Jones, for being our guest. And thank you to all our listeners around the world. Remember, you can always tune into Women Lead Radio shows Monday at 9 a.m. and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's been my pleasure to be your host today. I hope this episode inspires you to keep exploring, pushing your boundaries, and leading on the edge. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.